Hello. The time has come to address what the end of 2020 undeniably presented at my door, which is the wonderful, amazing, talented, iconic Peaky Blinders Enterprise. And so here we are on the episode about the glory of Peaky Blinders. Let's get started. Where the hell have you been? Waiting. For what? For this. Extra Ginger. The time has come. We're talking about Peaky Blinders. So hopefully you've seen the show. Um, but if not, quick premise is it's about basically this gang family in Birmingham, England in the 1920s. And the show centers around this Shelby family where Tom is the head of the family. He's the um, second oldest brother. And the oldest brother is Arthur. Um, then they have their aunt Polly, etc. And basically it's just like about how they build up their business and their empire and, you know, they start gaining power and money and responsibility and everything that comes with that. And hands down, my favorite thing about the entire show is how each character has like their core foundation values that determines what kind of person they are and what drives them to action. Um, sidebar, in astrology, your Mars sign is like what I'm talking about now, um, what drives you to action, what makes you angry, and what you really stand for. And I love the way that each character in Peaky Blinders stands for something completely different, but it's crucial to how they act as a person. And each character has these certain characteristics that I think are so distinct but understandable and easily accessible even if you're not in the same circumstances. For example, Tom is really about loyalty, especially to his family, and fair consequences and strategy. So he's a very calculating man but it's also more of like someone needs to be held accountable for certain actions in which there are fatal or drastic consequences. And Tommy is really about, you know, the people that need to be held accountable are going to pay because, you know, what is part of the deal is part of the deal. And if it's not held up, then something needs to happen about it. And he really respects the rules of the world, I think, in a kind of secretly pure hearted kind of way, right? Like, you're a criminal, but you think that your child is off limits in a bargaining game. <laughs> um, but he is very ambitious and driven and observant, which makes him, you know, a good leader for the family company. But the flip side of every character is this attack on their core in which Thomas's like first and arguably his only love was literally a traitor and he still forgave her and welcomed her back into the family and married her even though she broke his number one not up for compromise rule <laughs> and I remember just being so 
startled that he would break his code for someone who broke his code. You know what I mean? But it's just part of the story. And another example is Polly. You know, she would do anything for her children. Um, well, I guess just for Michael, since he's the only one left. But it's that her weakness is her family. And when Michael was put in jail and Inspector Campbell was negotiating with her, she <sighs> did the thing, sacrificed a part of her soul so that Michael could get out of jail. But when Michael got out, he didn't thank her and even like was talking about how they laughed at her in prison. And I think it just parallels the way that each character has their own thing that's not up for compromise until it is in the most crucial of moments, right? Like Thomas is not forgiving. He doesn't easily put aside people's traitorous acts, especially since he is literally all about trust and loyalty. And yet Grace, the one person who basically like ruined his life <laughs> for like the time that she was there, especially with like Ada and Freddie, he was like, yeah, still in love with you. Glad to raise a child together. We're going to get married even like, hello. And it's the same thing with Arthur, you know, and Arthur is probably top three favorite characters. He's such a simple man. He only wants, you know, I feel like he's so very easily influenced and he's not that bright, but he's, um, has such good intentions so he's a simple man with a very simple problem, which is that he is just kind of moody. Like he gets angry very easily or depressed very easily and goes through these weird emotional periods. Um, but then he found Linda, his wife. And I love, I love this part is that we don't get to see how they met or how they got together. We just fast forward to the part where they're already married. And it just makes so much sense, right? Because like a woman like this, coming along and even taking a slight interest in Arthur immediately provides him a simple solution to his very simple problem, right? Is that like, you have this darkness inside you, you are looking to absolve it or brighten yourself up and, you know, be forgiven for your sins and what have you. And here is a religious woman who lives in strict adherence to the rules and is willing to pull you out of the darkness. And then his worst nightmare comes true as well, right? His savior and love of his life didn't just turn sour, she turned cruel and almost killed him. Like there was a point where Linda was really meshed in with the family um, and you know, she started drinking and she was even taking calls um, in Birmingham. And then it just all went horrible, you know? And Arthur got so angry and went after that guy in the Mormon community or whatever. And it just must have been so hard for him, you know, to find this person and literally think that you're being saved. And then that person turns around and said, I am glad I didn't succeed in murdering you because it would have been a kindness to give you a way out of living with who you are on the regular. Like, awful completely awful. Um, but another example of how each character has, you know, their defining moment or their own thing. And it just ends up being the thing that also destroys them. And one of the most remarkable things about the characters in Peaky Blinders I find is when 
their core values are ruined, like, again, best example, Tommy with Grace, they don't stop performing. Like, yeah, he was upset, he was heartbroken for years, but it didn't stop him from building his empire just as he would have if she were around. And it's the same with Polly and Arthur, and even John and Finn, you know, like no matter, no matter what part of their being is being tested, they don't stop succeeding based on that one obstacle. And I think that's a testament to their strength, but also to how heavy that can be after you do it for so long, you know, um, it's pretty upsetting, but it makes for a good story and I'm excited for the new season. But some of the really notable scenes um, that I really liked was, there was a moment when Tommy was like going through it and he went back to the shipyard and started shoveling poop and Carly, his like friend, brother person was like, what are you doing? And Thomas said, I'm doing this to remind myself of what I'd be if I wasn't who I am. And it was just so relatable because I think along the same lines, I saw something like, if you ever feel like you won't get to where you want to go, or if you're feeling discouraged or whatever, you know, um, remember when you wanted what you currently have. And I found it really startling, I guess, because of how true it is. <laughs> like, I think sometimes we go through things and think it's hard or difficult and we forget that, you know, the journey to get here probably wasn't all smooth waters, um, but we made it happen anyway, and that's something to be proud of and to remember to, I guess, celebrate your victories. And I think that's what happened with Tommy in season five, when he started, you know, being really paranoid about someone coming for his place and also with the grace hallucination situation. And, um, I think he's just in the kind of predicament where like, if you don't slow down and appreciate what you have and celebrate your victories, then one day you're just going to wake up and feel really, really tired because you didn't enjoy any of your success and because you don't have those good memories stocked up in your brain. So all you can feel is the hard work and sweat and tears and effort that it took for you to get where you are today. And like, instead of giving your all and reaping your benefits, you just gave it your all for whatever amount of time. And in Tommy's case, like, instead of giving his all and reaping his rewards, I feel like he just kind of gave and gave and gave, especially in the last season. And it also speaks to how he's more tangled at things than I think he ever could have imagined. Like, he started out just with a racetrack, you know, and now he's literally a member of the parliament, also an OBE. I think when you just give and give and give, Tommy not only forgot how to take, he's forgotten the meaning of rewards altogether. Um, and it's hard to see because he's so brilliant and ambitious and clever that it's really hard to watch someone that brilliant crumble under, you know, so many years of keeping it together. And one of the things that I hope for in season six is another 
stellar scene. Um, I don't remember what season it was, but Alfie, uh, or maybe it was season five, actually. Someone kidnapped uh, Charles, Tommy's son, and they met Alfie at some location to get some information, I think, unrelated to Charles. But it was a test to see if Alfie was the snitch. And Thomas said, they took my son. Like, don't you see how serious this is? They took my child. He also said basically that Alfie had crossed the line by putting his son on the table for a business deal. And Alfie went on this great, amazing tirade about how there is no line and, you know, you wake up every day and you kill brothers and fathers and murder them in cold blood in the street in public. You don't care. Like you own every possible inch of land in Birmingham. And I know the type of business you do because I do the same business. So you cannot pretend this world is any better than it actually is. Of course they took your son. I'm sorry about that, but that's the way of the world. And it was so brilliant because you could, you know, like you could see Tommy actually process these words and it was so clever to have Alfie deliver this speech because usually Alfie says a lot of things that are kind of fluffy right like he takes a long time to get to the point but he was so concise and every part he said just made so much sense because he was right like they do awful things every day and Thomas has no right to be mad that they took his child like has he not done worse? Um, nothing is off limits, you know? Um, so yeah, I hope there's another one of those scenes in season six with, um, snapping Thomas out of this dark tunnel he's been in. Um, Alfie is also one of my favorite characters. He's brilliant. I had no idea Tom Hardy was also in this show. So when he showed up, I was pleasantly surprised and also very shocked, but great stuff. Alfie, Arthur, Tom, Polly, Gina. Love Gina in the show. Um, I also love the location, the Lee family, the whole gypsy situation. I love the way Thomas knows exactly how to talk to every single type of person. Like when Esme was trying to convince him to like run away to France or something. And he just grabbed her and said, if you talk about getting lost again, I will cut you. <laughs> like, he just knows exactly how to talk to every single type of person in every situation. Um, and it must be hard on him. And I hope he gets some sort of happiness in season six, honestly, because I feel like he deserves at least a little bit as a treat. <laughs> um, so on that note, we can start closing it out. Closing ceremonies of extra ginger, which is done in two phases. Phase one is final thoughts, where we deliver the takeaways from each episode in clean one-liners. For this one, I'd say to really hone and lean into your core values and what makes you the most distinct from other people, um, because I think it really helps ambition drive motivation when you have something to stand for 
And when you genuinely believe in it, it's easier to build up that power and that momentum around, you know, whatever your core foundation is. And don't be scared to change it too, you know, like what's that famous quote? Like Oprah didn't start until she was 40 or something like that. Um, you can have multiple interests. You're a changing person. It's okay. Um, but definitely have something that you stand for. I guess along the same lines is don't be scared of any attacks on your values. Um, maybe it helps you reassess what you perceive as important versus what you actually need to prioritize. And yeah, great. So phase two of closing ceremonies is a palate cleanser. And this week's palette cleanser has uh, just shower thoughts vibes. <laughs> it's very like random, but I needed to get it out there. And it's about the word clingy or like a clingy person. Because I think a clingy person just doesn't know how to give affection in a healthy way because, you know, their anxious attachment style or whatever. But I don't think it's bad to want to spend all your time with a significant other and I don't think it's bad either to actually spend all your time together but I think what's annoying is not having the space to be your own person outside of the fact that you're a significant other and I think the most relevant example is like how people put all those labels in their bios right like wife mother dog mom teacher aunt and professional taco enthusiast right like Whenever people do that, I think it's so cute because it shows so many different sides of a person, but also it creates this mosaic puzzle picture, you know, of like all these different elements that make up this one human. And while all those components apply to the same person, they're also distinct entities from each other. And if you think about like, all the things that you like and don't like and love and hate, then the idea adjacent to that is that other people are also just as diverse in their thoughts and feelings and interests and their personality spectrum is just as varied, which means that you need to let your partner or friend or sibling or whoever, you know, be their own person outside of who they are to you. And... That's my hot take on the cure to being clingy. <laughs> um, so as always, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you soon.